Welcome to Think Big with Dan and Kasim. Join host Dan Melnick and Kasim Masood as they explore big ideas, limitless possibilities, and engage with visionaries, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders who dare to dream big, get inspired, motivated, and find practical tips for personal growth. Think big, dream bigger, and ignite your potential. Welcome to Think Big with Dan and Cosm. Cosm's not able to join today, but our guest today is Mike Johnson. So, Mike, if you want to go ahead and, and tell us what you do for a living and where you live. Yeah, sure, Dan. Um, what do I do for a living? Well, I'm I'm retired, a retired guy that couldn't stay retired and uh, ended up uh, getting um, in, involved in the uh, collectibles, which is really my passion for decades and uh, started with numismatics and it's really evolved from numismatics uh, to other collectibles sports cards comics art uh and technologies awesome so how did you get the idea for this my background is uh is technology based and also uh capitalization i used to do a lot of depth and equity capitalization a lot of big projects international stuff and um just by combining really the the technologies with the um uh capitalization and business operating plans and uh it just started with from scratch started putting it together and seeing what works what doesn't work and i found that uh it does work and quite well awesome so in terms of collectibles you know is that something that you started when you were a kid or i guess like what did that process look like for you yeah, I started when I was 13 years old, um, which is probably even old, you know, considering my dad started uh, me and he he collected for more than 60 years. And um, so I started with a Morgan dollar. I don't know. I just like that big, shiny Morgan dollar. And uh, he gave me one of these blue books that they used to use to put them in and uh, so I started gathering up um, uh, Morgan dollars, not knowing the difference from one to the other, and I would just fill up the pages. And he was kind enough to kind of go along with it until I, as I got a little older, he said, well, wait a minute, that's not an 1878 CC. You need an 1878 CC. And so I started learning. And eventually I ended up with a, uh, a you know, a full um, book, <laughs> you know, filled out with uh, Morgan dollars and ended up being quite valuable. So um just kind of stuck with me awesome so in terms of sports cars specifically what are the trends that you're seeing right now in 2023 in sports cards um yeah you, you know there's a lot i, I mean you got to look at the basics i mean everybody loves their sports team right you know and there's a huge amount of marketing that's going in to and supports uh you know teams and and so there's just this sort of this natural evolution of people that are, are gravitating to uh, sports training cards. And so, you know, as the other component to that, of course, is uh, grading, you know, third party grading. So, you know, everybody's got to have the best one or, you know, it's, it's, they're constantly striving to increase their uh, their position, if you will, and in the collectibles. And uh, it's really just evolved, you know, from there. Awesome. So I myself had, had an eBay story to sell autographs. Um, and I saw that business back in 2020, but one thing I noticed was that a lot of people outside of North America didn't really understand collectible sports cards. So, have you seen that, or I guess like what are the where do the trends have you know going in that direction? Do you think there's going to be more user adoption 
um, outside of North America, or I guess what have you seen? Yeah, you know, as far as for in within foreign or, or adoption in foreign countries, well, yeah, they've got their sports teams too, um, and you know, there's uh, you know, of course, they may like other other sports, you know, more more so than they do like soccer, you know, and things of that nature. So yeah, they've got their teams, they've got their followings, they've got their audience, and um, you know, I there are other dynamics that I think are going to come into play that will have far bigger impact in uh, market growth, whether that is in North America or uh, outside of North America. So how would you say that you separate yourself from your competition? I don't have any competition. Um, I, I mean, in, in the respect that um, we are spearheading technologies that, uh, and we're bringing changes to the collectibles industry that has never been done. Um, for example, we are we have applied deep neural network and artificial intelligence processing of data outputs, which we extract using laser scanning systems. So when we extract these very, very large data files, we're able to create um, a, a, a a base, if you will, of data relative to a, a third party assigned grade. So we had these massive file outputs and we had to do something with them. So that's where the DNN and the AI processing came from. We found that to be an absolutely stunningly accurate. Or, I mean, even in early testing. And so the, the same technologies apply, whether it's a sports card or it's a numismatic collectible, as long as it has an industry accepted grading system or standards, um, we can establish baseline data and we use a series of algorithms uh, and uh, pattern matching and it, be it it becomes down to science and math, both of which I love. That's awesome. So. I mean, in terms of grading, right? Grading is obviously a very big thing, but what about like autographs, like authentication? Have you seen some of that in terms of technology? I think that that's a big pain point for many collectors. There's so many fake autographs out there, and I've seen some even, you know, slip through the cracks that get certified by these large companies. Yeah, you know, one of the actually, I had a great conversation on this very thing here just recently. And, you know, so if you look at some of the older, uh, you know, sports cards, let's say, that are autographed and they come up as a counterfeit, well, one of the things that you're able to detect uh, using these technologies is you can actually, I, I don't know if, you, if you've ever seen, um, if you've ever seen a signature, what that looks like measured using the zero to 255 RGB color scale at two and a half microns. It's, it gives you this in, a massive amount of data, measured data, and you're able to immediately then be able to identify because of the, the color outputs, you, you, you the, the, uh, the, the physical number zero to, to 255, which are measured, will tell you is that ink of that era, is that paper of that era. So there, you can't fool it. Uh, you can't fool the technology. So I, I think that uh, the industry will um, will appreciate this once it once it gets out in the mainstream. So in terms of era matching, that makes sense for sure. But what about like you know pen strokes of people? I think that's a very tricky thing because. You know, you see these 
people that have these massive, you know, fraud campaigns of, you know, kind of being able to master. I think even now people always say, oh, certain athletes or um, celebrities, their autographs are so sloppy and it's so easy to forge. So what about like those things? Yeah, that's one of the easiest things to measure. Um, and that's a great point. So pen strokes, right? So pen strokes, think about it for just a minute. De depending on how that person, that writer uses or you know initiates their handwriting is going to, going to set that pattern for how thick is the ink, you know, what is the curvature and the, how hard are they pressing and all these things. All of those things can be very easily detected. Once you have a no, it's just like a counterfeit uh, coin. If we take and scan a counterfeit coin, we have captured the digital fingerprint of the counterfeit coin. The same thing holds true with a genuine signature, for example. You can't fool it. Uh, you know, you'd have to see it. You'd have to see the what those actual physical outputs are, and you'd immediately recognize it. Do you think that these technologies are going to take jobs away from professional creators and authenticators? Not at all. What you know, what our our objective is to stabilize third party grading. I, I, my thoughts are is that once we get this out there and they can try it, they can test it, and I think it eventually will become a standard. I think it'll become an industry standard. So if it's an industry standard, we, we would just like to license or at least, you know, license it out to, for example, third party grading companies. So we, we're not looking to heart harm or anything in the industry. We're looking to improve the industry. So whatever it takes to, to make that happen, to make that a reality. You're saying that every single item will be 100% guaranteed with the actual physical person looking at it, like their eyeballs in addition to your technology, really trying to make this as seamless as possible. Sure. I mean, that's where it starts, right? I mean, it had to start with a human being that could say, this is a genuine, this is real, this is not a counterfeit. So you got to start there. You got to start with something that's already been examined, already been graded. And then you extract the data from that particular collectible and then you use that to build the baseline you know it so it then becomes uh, i think that the technology has become really an integral component uh which will greatly and if it's far far more accurate i mean it's um uh the it, it sees that the human eye will never be able to see um it's just that that accurate what has been your biggest challenge with starting this business it's new. I mean, uh, you know, the industries are really niche industries, you know, and you can you can break it down into marketing as one part of the niche and you can and then, uh, you know, third party grading is another. Fortunately, we have the interest of some some of the pe top people in the industry, um, which I'm very happy with. And they're very, very supportive of they have seen the technology and they so it's sort of the handwriting is on the wall. And uh, so it just it just takes uh, a little time to gear it up to get it up and running, uh, get it completely tested, all the bugs worked out, and then get it out into the system. So you mentioned word of mouth, but I guess what has been your number one strategy in terms of reaching people, telling people about what you're doing to really change the game in the industry? 
Yeah, so we took a really interesting approach. Um, you know, marketing costs a fortune, right? So in all the traditional channels, yeah, those are all there. But we we took it at another angle. What we did is we recently, in fact, joint ventured with a data company that has got a database of 350 million consumers in the United States, and they happen to apply AI to that database. So what we have done is we partnered with them and then we have joined their uh, them with the marketing companies we have contracted with. And so what that means is, is that we're able to use very specific demographics to target our marketing. So in other words, if we wanna build community, we would use a different demographic than we would for investors, for example. So, so you know, that gives us, uh, well, it gives us 350 million consumers, you know, to target. So that that's the direction that we've gone, but we also use the traditional, uh, you know, marketing, if you will, and attending events and, you know, things of this nature. So do you envision yourself as being more B2B or more B2C in terms of people in their own homes doing their own grading? Well, I don't, I don't really see people in their own homes doing their own grading. I, I don't think that that works uh, at, at all, frankly. Um, I think it's really a more of a B2B, uh, you know, function. Um, although there, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but, um, what is the one thing that everybody has, uh, a smartphone, right? And what does every smartphone have? I mean, the more modern ones, they have these very high quality digital cameras. And we're even starting to see this now where you can take a digital camera and you can use it to identify an asset. But I would just put out there, don't be surprised uh, to see at some point, excuse me, where you'll actually be able uh, to uh, grade. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that technology is going to happen soon. I think it's it's something interesting for me because I feel like, to your point, you know, if it can be streamlined through a phone, like through a software, and say, okay, like if you're going to use a software, anybody can do it from their home in two seconds. You can say 100% guarantee this is authentic like no questions that this is this grade i think that'll definitely streamline the process it'll make it a lot easier because i think that's a big pain point that for example like when i was like in the industry it's like how can i prove that something's real right i got an autograph signing like in the baseball game how do i know if it's real and i think that if you can authenticate it in two seconds or like a third-party software that'd be very beneficial yeah a lot of that that infrastructure, so to speak, is really kind of in, almost in place right now. I mean, if you add in the uh, the deep neural network and the artificial intelligence, you know, processing component to this uh, with the uh, and use that as a runtime engine. Well, obviously, as a runtime engine, you can then develop the uh, the smartphone, iOS, and Android applications, which has the graphic user interface and the point of sale. Uh, to allow that, in fact, uh, to happen. So um, there's other there's other technical things which are stack thing, you know, stack and cloud and so on that you you have to uh, work into all that. But the technologies and the APIs, I mean, for the most part, you know, that you can customize the APIs, but the rest of the technologies, we're we're already doing this. I mean, that's what we do. You know, so I, I expect there'll be twists and turns, you know, as, as you go. I mean, these things take time and they take effort. Um, but yeah, I you know. So one thing that you you want to always consider 
And that is is the point is encapsulation, right? I mean, encapsulation protects the asset. I mean, it protects the comic wood. It protects the sports card. It protects the uh, numismatic. So you're still going to have uh, that as an element. You know, even if you're able to take and do a grade from a, uh, a smartphone, which is is getting there, um, you're still going to want to encapsulate it. So, so how does that change the dynamics of the industry? Is it more towards utilizing the um, the technologies for the grading side and then just doing encapsulation. You know, how does that change those dynamics? Are there better ways to do encapsulation? You know, so so I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, there's always going to be a state of, of flux, so to speak, but it'll sort itself out. Um, but those technologies are uh, are coming and we're bringing them. That's awesome. So are you working a lot with blockchain or NFTs as well? Yeah, we uh, we most certainly are. In fact, one of the reasons that we designed this technology, if you notice, uh, it's a digital fingerprint. But not only is it a digital fingerprint, it is the IP of that physical asset. Now, as the IP of the physical asset, and people get you know they get they get screwed up with the digital monkeys or whatever. If you look at a uh, NFT, a non-fungible token, and you say, okay, forget about the uh, digital monkey, let's make that an asset-backed NFT. And what is the purpose of the NFT? The NFT is an information wrapper. It's a, it's an image, it's an information wrapper. It gives you access to further additional information and data and the ability to, to validate uh, pre and post-sale the, uh, the physical asset. You know, so that's what the function really of the, the NFT is. Now, if you add to that, and this is something else people get completely lost on, that's the ERC-721 and the EIP-2981. Those are crucial because those are royalties protocols. Now, think about this for just a second. So if you take and you attach the, the, the digital fingerprint, uh, you register on blockchain, chain of title, uh, the you, you construct the NFT as I've described, and you attach royalties which are controlled by smart contract, and they trigger on resales. Now you have got a way to invest the consumer directly into the marketplace as a function of marketplace cost, right? So if you let, let's look at a numismatic. Uh, if you wanted to buy a um, you know, if you wanted to buy a Roman Constantine that's 2,400 years old, you can go on eBay right now and buy one. Well, how many times do you suppose that Roman Constantine has changed hands in 2,400 years? Or if you wanted to buy a silver eagle, 600 million silver eagles have been sold in the marketplace since was in the mid-80s. That's a lot of silver eagles. Well, how many times do you suppose those have been bought and sold or any other coin or any other sports card or any other comic it's the same thing so if you apply the uh, royalty triggered by or controlled by smart contract now you've changed the fundamentals of the marketplace for sure so as of right now the next three to six months what is your top priority for your business yeah, you know, right now we're moving from the we we did the POC. You know, we developed the proof of concept for the automation of third-party grading using DNN AI. Our next step is the phase one of you know of the uh, minimum viable product MVP, 
of a production level, and we're going to start with the Morgan uh, dollars. And from there, we'll test it in the marketplace, and then we'll go ahead and go to the, you know, to the different denominations, you know, the nickels, the pennies, the nickels, the dimes, the quarters, and so on. So um, that's where we're at. Uh, simultaneous with that, we are we are in conversations with some of the probably largest players that there that exist uh, in other areas of collectibles as well. Awesome. So, what's the biggest piece of advice that you wish you knew before you started this journey with your company it always uh, costs more and takes longer you know than than you would like it to but it, that just sort of goes with the territory um so i guess just uh, being patient you know taking things methodically step by step covering your bases uh you're reaching out uh entering into you know joint ventures you know things of like this that uh, that uh, that assist you as far as for uh, you know lateral growth in the markets at the same time, but being able to measure this step by step by step. You know, just being I guess patience is the biggest thing that uh, I'm I'm always lacking. For sure, yeah. I feel like any entrepreneur. I mean, it's something that you're always that you want things to happen instantaneously. But if you're really building something good, I always say it takes time. Like if you're getting 1% better every day, if you're making that progress, you're here, like, now you're figuring out who to talk to, how to, you know, you're, that you're evolving, you're beta testing, you're all these things. And it takes time. And finally, once you get there, like, okay, now it finally paid off. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I guess the one, you know, there are, there are some unknowns. One of the things we also do is, you know, for example, uh, Mike Ellis, uh, he's a governor of the American Numismatic Association. He's on um, our board of directors. Uh, I was literally 30 minutes ago on the phone with a gentleman who uh, his name would be instantly recognizable worldwide uh, in the comics arena that said, hey, I'll, I'll get on your board. You know, I, I you know, so I, we've had these kinds of conversations. So there's a real, there's a real movement um, it, towards these technologies, and um, which is very exciting. It's very exciting, and so I think the thing is just being, you know, lead the way, but don't get in the way, and um, you know, it just uh, continue with growth, continue with development, uh, follow your plan. You know, have your vision, and uh, and follow that vision. Awesome. So if somebody wanted to find your website or to reach out to you, what's the best way for somebody to get in contact with you? Well, the best e email wise would be to email me at CEO at coin and card auctions.com. That's with an S and website. Uh, we have a web two website. It's at uh, coin and card auctions.com. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much for your time we're rooting for you hopefully you know we can have this conversation again like in a year from now as you're continuing to grow and scale and you start getting into the markets and growing your business yeah thank you i appreciate it very much dan thank you for you taking the time and uh, spending the time with me today to listen Likewise. thank you have a great uh, rest of your day all right thank you now thanks all right bye yep take care